something very interesting to add that we're going to find out about today. Uh, as Chris and I were sort of planning this series, uh, I asked Chris to sort of look at the passages over these next seven weeks and see if we could sort of package them into a, a series title uh, that we could use to talk about this. And, and what Chris noticed is that the first three passages that we're going to deal with in this series have to do with vision and, 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 and having, um, setting the direction uh, for the cross. The next three are really heart-oriented. They're about, they're about um, um, having, having full hearts. And that Easter, of course, is we all know what Easter is about. And, and Chris remembered a phrase from um, a, a TV series uh, that was called Friday Night Lights. Anybody ever see Friday Night Lights? Yeah, it's, it's a good series if you've never seen it. It's a, uh, the series is based on a book, which was based, I think, on a real football team in Texas, uh, from Odessa, Texas, a, uh, a team that was trying to make the state championships, and they was, you know, everything looked good, but on the first, se- first game of the year, their star uh, running back, was injured and he was out for the season. And so, um, this is a little town in Texas that uh, that uh, is sort of racially divided and and economically, uh, it's kind of tough in this town. And so the town sort of lives for Friday nights. Friday night football is what brings people together. And so, and so the the show is called Friday Night Lights and what and what brings people together. But the book that was written called Friday Night Lights, the subtitle of the book was A Town. A team and a dream, a town, a team, and a dream, and 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 so the story is about how this unlikely team, this coach, inspires them and gets them to together, and they play above their heads, and they and they make it to the state playoffs uh, in, in the state of Texas, and uh, and so the book was popular, and then a TV series uh, sprang from it. But as I thought about that, a town, a team, and a dream, I was thinking that that the passion story really has those three elements in it. There's a, there's a significant town in that story, and it's the town of Jerusalem. The story doesn't start in Jerusalem, but it's heading to Jerusalem. The state championships are in Jerusalem. The, the, the culmination of this story is in Jerusalem. The, the, the history is heading for Jerusalem. And, and so even though it starts in an unlikely place in, in Galilee and a place in northern Israel, which is kind of country folks and common fishermen and all of that, this, 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 this story is headed for Jerusalem. There's a town involved and there's a team involved. The team, of course, is Jesus and his disciples. And so it's about how Jesus inspires these, these disciples. He inspires these followers. Uh, there's a phrase in Friday Night Lights that's going to be the theme of this, of this series that the coach in the locker room uh, during that TV series uh, always ends his speech by saying, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. And he'll say, clear eyes, full hearts, and the whole team will yell, can't lose. So, so if you could just sort of um, um, play along with me this morning. As, if I say, as I say, clear eyes and full hearts, you repeat with can't lose. That's right, there you go. So clear eyes, full hearts, 
Yeah, yeah, I think you can lose with that kind of attitude. Come on now. We got we to gotta say this like we can't lose, right? So if we've got clear eyes and full hearts. Yeah, clear eyes, full hearts. That's right. Yeah, so, uh, so that's what this series is about, having clear eyes and full hearts. And if we'll do that, uh, we can't lose. And so the lectionary passage this morning is from the Gospel of Mark. The first chapter. Now, one really interesting thing about Mark. There's no, there's no Christmas story in Mark. There's no Bethlehem in Mark. Mark just sort of takes off. If you read Mark, it's like, it's like somebody telling you over lunch the whole story of Jesus. Mark, is, he's, he's rushed. He's urgent. He's frenetic. He's, he's getting on to the, to, the, to, to, the, to the meat of the story of Jesus. Mark, many believe, was the first gospel because Luke has over half of the scriptures that are in Mark are also in Luke. It, it, it very much looks like Luke used Mark as a source text for when he, when he wrote uh, the Gospel of Luke. But uh, so in, in the book of Mark, um, uh, we're going to look at verse 9. And, and one thing that I love about the Bible is it doesn't, it doesn't gloss over. The, one of the reasons that the Gospel is believable is because it, it, the story is not too perfect. It, it's not too, uh, it doesn't gloss over uh, the difficult parts of the story. And so we see that in, in Mark's gospel. Mark chapter 1, verse 9. One day, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart, and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove, And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Since we're using this football analogy this morning of of Friday Night Lights, let's talk about the beginning of the Jesus story here is, is like training camp. If you know anything about football, that before the season begins, all the players get together for something called training camp. Training camp's not a time when you sit around and, and roast marshmallows and sing kumbaya. Training camp is a time when they have something called two-a-days. They'll practice twice a day during training camp. It's intense. In training camp, they're trying to get you ready for any adversities that you might face during the actual season. And so when I read this story of Jesus, this beginning story, this inaugural story of Jesus, it sounds to me like training camp. And the first thing that we come across in training camp is is the father loving on his son as he's coming up out of the water. I love that image. It's like when the water splits apart and Jesus is coming out, the heavens split apart and the Holy Spirit descends on him and he says, you are my son. I'm proud of you. I love you. I'm pleased with you. And I want to say that as we begin our walk with God, in our relationship with God, it begins, and I'm glad, uh, Taylor, that we sang that song this morning, um, Oh, How He Loves Us. Because it begins with the love of God. Before you get to any testing, before you get to two-a-days, before you get to any of those challenges that you're going to face along the way, you need, Jesus needed, we all need as followers of Jesus, the love of God to descend upon us. How many believe that this morning? And so the love of God descends on Jesus as this story 
begins. It has to begin with the fact that God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life. You see, so as we're talking about a town, a team, and a dream, we've got a town here. We've got a town. We've got Knoxville, right? We've got a town here to reach, and we're, we're sort of a subset of, of this larger story that's going on. We've got a town. We've got a team, don't we? We've got a team. We've got some Jesus followers here in Knoxville that, that, that want to, uh, and by the way, we have a dream. What was, what was Jesus and his disciples' dream? Their dream wasn't to build a nice community of love and harmony and sing kumbaya while the rest of the world was going to hell in a handbasket. The dream that Jesus had was to transform the world, was to turn the world upside down. And Jesus and this unlikely group of followers from an unlikely place in Galilee, they know that they're going to Jerusalem and they're heading to the championships and they believe that something miraculous is going to happen and they're not just going to be uh, something, a nice little blip in history, but they're going to change history. And I guess what I want to do this morning on this snowy winter day when just the few of the proud have made it out this morning, I want to inspire you that we may seem like we're small this morning. We may seem insignificant in this town. But let me tell you something. With a town, a team, and a dream as Jesus is our leader, there's nothing that can stop us. And we can change this society. We can change this world. And God can do something through us. Amen. And so it begins with the love of God. You're going to be loved by God. And I want to say that this morning because there's some people that believe that church is about coming for your weekly spanking. That it's about coming to to hear about how bad that you were. But I really believe that most of us don't need a whole lot of help believing that we're, that we're, that we're deficient. You know what I mean? In fact, in fact, John 3.17 said he, uh, that, that God sent not his son to condemn the world but that the world through uh, him might believe because those who do not believe are condemned already. They already came to church feeling bad. They don't need me to confirm it. They need, they need to hear the love of God. They need to hear that there's a God who loves them, who has a wonderful plan for their lives. Amen. So, so the purpose of the church is a place to, not to remind us just of our mistakes, but it's to remind you that in spite of your flaws... God has a wonderful plan for your life. Before you face two-a-days, before you face the challenges that are inevitably going to come, you need to hear the voice of, of God. You need to hear the voice of God that says, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. I'm pleased with you. I want to just stay here for a moment because some of you don't believe me yet. But I just want to tell you this morning, if no one's told you yet, you are loved. God has a wonderful plan for your life. If you don't believe that this morning, maybe you've come with all kinds of, with all kinds of self-condemnation this morning. I want you to know, and more than I want you to know, God wants you to know this morning how loved you are. One of, one of the gospels says this about the, the, the dove descending on Jesus. The dove didn't just descend on him, it remained on him. It, this love of God, you know, he, 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 every trial that, that Jesus had to face, everything in life that he was to face, he needed that abiding sense that no matter what I'm going through, there's a God who's proud of me. There's a God who loves me. There's a God who knows my name. There's a God who split heaven wide open. And he descended like a dove just to say how much he loved me. I, I remember, Chris, I don't know if you remember this. I was in Louisville 
during seminary. Chris was in, in, in my youth group at the time. But um, Donald Deck came to speak for us, and he was preaching a sermon, and he just changed his sermon. He just quit preaching his sermon. And he just started saying, Jesus loves you. He must have said Jesus loves you for a half an hour straight, and, and revival broke out in the church. He just, he just kept repeating one phrase over and over, Jesus loves you. And as he kept saying, Jesus loves you, there was, a, there was just a spirit that broke out in the church and a spirit of worship. And I remember we had a prayer line and, and I remember walking down with people on both sides and, and Don Deck was just still in the microphone, just, just, just over and over, just saying, Jesus loves you. And I think, I think that penetrated my soul at a deeper level at that time. You know, we heard it in Sunday school. I think it's still one of the greatest songs ever written. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells us so. Amen. So as you, as you face the world and you're going to face resistance, God wants us to know how much, how much, how much he loves you and he's cheering you on. God is for you. But, but, then, but then it gets weird in Mark's gospel. The very next verse says this. Then the Spirit compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. And, and, and in this gospel, which is different from the other gospels, you know, in Mark it says Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. The verb is so much stronger in the Greek. It's, it's actually ekbalo. It, it, means, uh, it, it means he cast him out. He cast him out into the, he drove, it's that he was not just invited to go. He was driven into the wilderness. He was driven into the wilderness, into the arms of Satan be, to be tempted by the devil. Now this is a strange scripture. Because how many know that the devil has an assignment for your life? And John 10.10 10 tells us what his assignment is. In John 10.10 he 10 says the thief comes to do what? He comes to rob, kill, and destroy. That the enemy's assignment for your life is he wants to take you out. That's why it's so important that you start with the love of God. If you don't start with this sense that God loves you, he's got a wonderful plan for your life, you are open prey for the devil who wants to destroy you. However, if you start with the love of God, if you begin with the sense that God's for you, that nothing can stop you, that, that he, you are his son, and then he throws you to the devil, this is going to sound weird, but the devil has an assignment in your discipleship. Martin Luther called the devil God's devil. The devil himself belongs. The devil wants to destroy you, but if you are infused and filled with the love of God, the devil's attempts to destroy you only refine you. The devil's attempts to take you out prepare you for what you need. The truth of the matter is, if you don't ever get tested by the devil, you're going to be too soft. 
If the devil, if you never get into it with the devil, if you never go into the ring with the devil, you're not going to be ready when the season comes. You, you, when you, part of training camp is you got to start with the love of God. And I asked Chris if he'd bring a, if he'd bring a football today. Here you go, Taylor. You ready? You, you know what? Maybe, and maybe I'm ready to throw. I'm not a very good thrower either. So everybody be ready. All right. But but anyway, anyway, the idea is that the idea is that that God loves you and has a. But now He's going to toss you off. That was terrible. But good catch though. Uh, but He's going to toss you off to the devil. And it's like, devil, have at him. But as the devil's trying to destroy him, he's only making Jesus more ready for everything that he's got to face. So uh, along with this good news that God loves you and has a wonderful place for your life, you have got to be tested. And it's so important that this is where a lot of people miss out on Christianity because they come to church and they hear how, how much that God loves them and he has a wonderful plan for their lives and, and they want church only to be about, they want their relationship to God only to be about that and pie in the sky. But when you go out into the world, you will face testing. And one of the things, if we're going to be clear-eyed, if we're going to be clear-eyed about following Jesus... We need to tell people right up front, not only are you going to experience the love of God, you will face the devil along the way. Come on now. Sometimes it's as soon as you get out these doors. It's just, it's just, like, it's just like in Mark's, follow, you're, you're, you're driven. You know, you leave this place and it's like, what? We just had the presence of God say what? You know, and now, and what, what's this all about? I walk outside and, the, and I'm facing the devil. How many know what I'm talking about this morning? You will face the devil. And just like, just like all heaven opens up, all hell's going to break loose. I know you don't want to hear that. But if you're going to be ready to face the reality of, of walking with God, the devil's got, got, a, got a place in your life. He's going to try to destroy you, but when you are filled and infused with the love of God, all he can do is refine you. And what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Somebody ought to write a song about that. You know, you know when I came to Knoxville, I had this fantasy that the whole city of Knoxville was just going to come out and welcome me. Welcome, Phil and Melanie and family. We're all coming to your church, and we just want you to know we're so honored by your presence. You know what the truth is? God's going to build a great church here in Knoxville, and he's going to do great things, but he's not going to do it without testing. We are, you know, I have a fan, I wish it was all a fairy tale. I wish every day was a holiday and every meal was a feast. But how many know that if you're going to achieve anything in life, you're going to face some obstacles along the way. You're going to face some challenges along the way. And if we're going to be a great church, we're going to be a great church, not because everything was always easy, but we're going to be a great church because we faced obstacles, but we were infused with the love of God. And those things that were meant to destroy us only made us stronger. How many know what I'm talking about this morning? 
Three, three of you know what I'm talking about. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about this morning? That, that, that which does not destroy you can only make you stronger. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hmm. And you know what? If, if you can't pass the devil's testing, you, you just need to go back to step one. You just didn't get enough of the love of God. You've got to have so much of the love of God. You've got to have so much understanding. You've got to believe so much in the depth of your being. You've got to know that you know that you know that you know. It's not he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me. Let me just tell you, every petal on God's flower for you is he loves me. He loves me. And, 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 and so you've got to have, so even as you're facing the devil, you're doing so armed with that knowledge, that, that, that dove that doesn't leave you, that spirit that reminds you, you belong to him, you belong to Jesus, amen. You can only face the devil's testing if you know how loved you are, and you are dearly loved. And then it says, there's just this little phrase in, in, in Mark, he was out among the wild animals. He was out among the wild animals. Now, I just want to say, you're going to have wild experiences living for God. I, I, I want to say that, that living for God is the greatest adventure that you've ever experienced. The, the greatest adventure you'll ever experience is, is, is living for God. And, and I'm here to tell you, it's going to be wild. You're in for a wild ride. Let me, let me just tell you, you know, 20 some years ago when we moved to a little town of Murfreesboro, Illinois, my goal was to uh, pastor a nice little church, to perform their marriages, to, to do their funerals, to do all that kind of stuff. But oh my goodness, it was a wild ride. And it's still wild. It, 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 it's wild and wonderful and woolly and, and all kinds of, of things. You know, I, I'm meeting people from other parts of the country and this other job that I'm doing. And, and it's interesting when we meet people from other parts of the country, we want to talk about their wild animals. I met some people from Florida and they were talking about, they were talking about how they, they like to, to, to uh, vacation on this black murky river that you can't see the bottom and there's gators in that river. And I'm like, Wow, seriously, crazy is what I say. Has the gator ever bothered you while you're in the river? No, 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 they're there, but you can't see? No, no, you're just there. And then the lady said, well, there was that one time we were tubing, and she said, I thought I was going over a log, and then when I got a little further, I realized it wasn't a log at all, it was a gator. I'm like, What? <laughs> you gotta be kidding me! But there's something about you know places that are different, you know. And but but those folks from Florida are like, man, I hear there's bears up here. You know, they're like, oh, can can we see a bear? And does anybody ever get eaten by those bears? And all the, you know, there's the there's just that sense of of wildness about that. You know, this this, this adventure. Uh, there there's scary places along the way. There's there's a wildness to the adventure. Uh, of living for the Lord. We sing a song, uh, Come Away With Me, that says, it's never too late. I have a plan for you. It's going to be great. It's going to be wild. It's going to be full of me. 
if you want, if you want a safe and a boring life, if you want this journey that Jesus is going to take from Galilee to Jerusalem, it's wild, man. This is a wild, right? You know, if, if you're just looking for, you know, a nice little life where you build up your 401k and, and you die off and all that kind of stuff, this might not be the adventure for you. But if you're looking to be a part of the greatest, if you're looking to go to the world champions in Jerusalem, if you're looking to be world changers, this is going to be a wild adventure that we're going to be on. You got to be ready. You got to be ready for some stuff. It's going to get exciting around here. And there's times it's going to be a little bit scary going to be wild. I don't know about you, but I, I like, and I know, I, I'm looking out at Coy, man. He's crazy. He goes up in the, he goes up in the Smoky Mountain National Forest and he hikes and he does, he's like, he just like goes out there with machete in these places and if, you know, there's no trails or stuff. He's nuts, but he's wild. But, but you know what, you know what, Coy, living for God's that way. It's what sometimes we're just out there armed with the path isn't very clear and we just got a machete. And so Jesus is out here in the wilderness and there's wild animals around him. And it's a great, it's a great adventure. Mm. But as you're among the wild animals, you got the love of God, you're tested by Satan. There's wild animals around. And then, and then Mark makes just this great little statement. And the angels took care of him. I love, I love the opposites in this. There, there's opposites in the story. You've got God, Satan, wild things, and angels. God to love you. Satan to test you. Wild things to give you a sense of vulnerability and adventure. But angels to come and comfort you and take care of you and make it through every one of them. Angels is an interesting word in scripture. We always think of angels as these heavenly beings floating around with wings, but but in the scripture uh, it simply means messenger of God. Sometimes they're heavenly beings, sometimes they're earthly beings. And so in Revelations, for instance, the pastors of the church are called the angels of the church. Why? Because they're messengers from God. What I want to say is, in my experience of living for the Lord, I have been in the company of angels. There have been messengers from God along the way. In this time of vulnerability, in this time of scariness, in this spring training, in this training camp experience that we're in, there have been angels along the way that when I thought I couldn't make it, when it seemed like all hope was lost, when I didn't know how, when you're vomiting up your toenails in two-a-days from, from all of the testing and all of the wild adventure, there's angels that come along and, and comfort you on the way. I, I, remember, I remember one day when my wife and I were newlyweds and we were broke and we were trying to head home for Christmas. This was back before they had cell phones, didn't have cell phones to call anybody if you're in trouble. And we were driving through a snowstorm. It was a wild day. And our car broke down. And I had those hubcaps that locked and I didn't have the key. And my and my and my my uh, I had a flat tire. Snowstorm. I remember an African-American truck driver smoking a cigar. It was an angel to me that day. <laughs> I thought after that, you know what? 
angels. There may be angels that smoke cigars and uh, and uh, that are African American because he came along with his uh, eighteen wheeler and he had some big tool and he broke my hubcap off. He got me, he got me on the road and he got me back to where I needed to go. How many of you have had those angels along the way that in those times of vulnerability, in those times when you didn't know how you were going to make it, but there were just messengers of God. When, 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 when our family came to Tennessee uh, a couple years ago, I, I'm just going to be honest with you, it was, it was scary, it was, it was wild, it was, it was a different adventure. For what are we doing at, at this age, starting over again, and all that kind of stuff. And what I want to say to you here today is, so many of you have been angels to our family. In, in the most difficult times when, when, when we didn't know if we were going to make it, you know, when it, when it seemed like all hope was lost, when it, when it just seemed like, you know, what, what, are, what are we crazy for, for doing what we're doing and, 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 and we were experiencing difficult times, there would be a word of encouragement. There would be people that would just be faithful in times of unfaithfulness. There were, there, were, there, were, there were people that would just put their hand on your shoulder. There was, there was this week the um, buttermilk pie delivered by Angel Rick Elbell back there, delivered to our house. There's just, been, there's just been angels along the way, angels along the way that have ministered to us. Let me just tell you something. On this, in this training camp, if you're going to get ready, if you're going to get ready for this adventure, if you're going to get ready for this season, the season that we're heading for Jerusalem, that we're heading to see God do great things in Knoxville. We got to know how loved we are by God. We can't, we can't, we can't let Satan defeat us, but we got to let Satan's attempts at defeating us only refine us, only make us stronger, only prepare us for everything that we're going to face ahead. We're going to face wild experiences but we're also going to experience the encouragement and we're going to be in the, in the company of angels. Amen. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. To me, this is like, this is like the opening kickoff. The season begins. He's been baptized He's been in the wilderness. He's experienced the love of God. He's experienced Satan's attempts to destroy him. He's overcome that. He's been through. He's, he's survived wild animals. He's had angels to accompany him along the way. John the Baptist has to be arrested for the season to begin because John's role in the season is to say, the season is coming. The season is coming. Get ready. Get ready for Friday night lights because the season's coming. And now the Bible says, but John is now arrested and Jesus preaches God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last. We've been talking about it. We've been talking about it. The time has come. And the kingdom is near. When it says it's near, it doesn't mean it's almost here. It means it's upon us. John the Baptist was saying it's coming. 
But Jesus said, this kingdom that's been afar off, it's now among us. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, the time is now and the place is here. The time is now and the place is here. So on this snowy, icy February morning, as we're in the locker room, getting ready to face the giants, another movie um, hear the word of the Lord this morning the time is now you are loved by God you've been tested by Satan it's going to be a wild adventure and we're comforted by angels and the season is beginning. We're entering the most exciting season to me in the church because we're talking about what we're all about. This is what, why we exist. This is why the church exists. And then he says, repent of your sins and believe the good news. Let's sing that song that I referenced earlier. Come away with me. Here we are. We're a town. We're a team. And we've got a dream. Anybody dreaming with me this morning? Anybody dreaming with me this morning? Anybody believing with me this morning? We can do this thing. Clear eyes, full hearts. Amen. We have clear eyes. We're going to be clear-eyed about following Jesus. Clear-eyed about following Jesus doesn't mean every day is going to be a holiday, every meal is a feast, but we're, we're always accompanied by the love of God. When it gets down to its very worst, you need to know that you're loved, that, he, that, that, that you are the apple of God's eye. You need to know that uh, Satan can't destroy you. He can only refine you. You need to know that the adventure is going to be wild, but we're in the company of angels.